سيدي يا رسول الله يا من إذا ما داه طالب جوده لبا النداء يا من إذا نادى طالب وجوده لبا النداء وهش لاستقباله يا صاحب الخلق العظيم يا صاحب الخلق العظيم يا صاحب الخلق العظيم الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار Shall of the brothers can scoot forward be appreciated thank you so much We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam upon his blessed family uh, the Al of Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salam and upon his companions and those who follow them until the end of time uh, in numerous places in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions his actions and his attributes and the great scholar al-ghazali uh, rahimahullah ta'ala in his book actually that we went over a little bit last ramadan here he mentions that one of the important qualities of a believer is to try to reciprocate the names of god that they've experienced in their life so of course walillahi mathalul a'la wa laysa kamithlihi shay allah is completely transcendent but for example if i've felt the mercy of god then i should reciprocate that mercy to others as the prophet said sallallahu alaihi wasallam ma la yurham la yurham right who is not merciful to people will not receive the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and one of the qualities that we find mentioned in numerous places in the quran is power allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna allah ala kulli shay'in qadir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over all things. Uh, Allah refers to himself as dhul quwwatil matin. Not only is he strong and powerful, but his strength is insurmountable. It's transcendent. 
And unfortunately, within framework of the Muslim community, due to some misunderstandings of tasawwuf, as well as perhaps apolitical Salafism, there has been this effort to discourage what we would call Sunni quietism uh, when it comes to the idea of power. You know, strategists say that power is the ability to affect what concerns you. Power is the ability to properly and health, in a healthy way impact what concerns you. That's real power. So most people have a lot of concerns, but have very little power. The Prophet ﷺ, in like numerous ahadith, he encouraged us to think about power in different ways. The power of the intellect, physical power. The spiritual power that someone has to forgive people. So I wanted to talk about briefly in the first part of this khutbah, especially in light of what happened to Mark Lamont Hill yesterday. We see that when someone chooses to speak truth to power, when someone chooses to speak in a very intelligent way, in a measured way, if they're not supported by power, they can, for example, lose their job. So while many of us have certain angst and concerns within the Muslim community and outside of the Muslim community, I would challenge myself and I will challenge you to think about are you truly committed to acquiring the resources of power so that you can properly impact the things that you're concerned about. If not, then this is what Imam al-Haramain said, is a delusion, is a delusion. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, He does something very interesting. He identifies two types of power. Uh, the first is a problematic power, and that's the power to harm, the power to oppress. So we see, for example, Fir'aun in the Qur'an. We see, for example, Qarun mentioned in the Qur'an. We see evildoers mentioned in the Qur'an who use power to harm. He use power for uh, hypocritical means, if you will. And these people are censored. Shaitan himself uses his identity. The first case of identity politics ever mentioned is not in the Western Academy. It's Ana Khayrominhu Khalaqatani Minnar wa Khalaqtahu Minteen. Is a failed attempt to use the power of being created from fire vis a vis the power or the lack of power of someone who's created from clay. We see this over and over in the Quran. At the same time, we find, and this is kind of the opposite of critical theory, that power also can serve good. And this is more in the vein of prophetic power. Uh, in the last 75 years in America, maybe Saul Alinsky and Ed Chambers, the idea of creating mediating institutions and groups of people who are going to look after the needs of the vulnerable and those who are impacted by bad power. Allah mentions this balance of good bad power and bad power in Surah Ali Imran. Allah says that if it wasn't that Allah had blessed certain communities to rise up against other communities, there will be corruption in the earth, the balance of power. Oftentimes in the name of religion, we've tied um, power to irreligiosity someone who may be active in other areas, for example, political activism is not seen as saintly as someone who prays in the night or someone who is trying to get people to shop responsibly and observe like fair trade rules and honor the BDS movement is not saintly equated to someone who fasts during the day. 
But Sidi Ahmed Zarouq, and we, we taught this a few weeks ago at our course here, he says, اختلاف المسارك, different approaches, do not lead to اختلاف المقاصد. Different angles and different approaches of doing good do not necessarily mean, necessarily mean a difference in the goal. وَأَنَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ الْمُنْتَهَىٰ Which is Allah. So we find in the Qur'an good examples of power. For example, Sayyidina Sulaiman says, Oh my Lord, in Surah Sa'd. He says, My Lord, forgive me. Balancing spirituality with activism and power. And grant me a dominion, sovereignty. That no one else after me will ever receive or ask for. We know that Sayyidina Muhammad, he said, وسلم, You know that if... Sulaiman had not asked for that, I would have asked to have greater power than Sayyidina Sulaiman. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Usul al Fiqh, this is considered, considered a really strong Sunnah because it's not only the Sunnah of Sayyidina Sulaiman, but it's also the Sunnah of Sayyidina Muhammad. Ibn Qayyim says that if the acquisition of power was tethered to the idea, of being irreligious, then what will you say about Sayyidina Sulaiman? Because nobody was more pious than him. He was a prophet. We studied this last year on Tuesday nights, this poem in Aqidah, that the prophets are like angels. They are sinless. So Sayyidina Sulaiman is asking for power. So that would help us understand that power is good and power is bad. We see the end of the 18th chapter, which every one of us reads, uh, or is encouraged to read on Fridays, where Dhul Qurnayn, a very powerful person, he mentions like, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthened me. But then when he comes across a vulnerable group of people who are not able to organize their affairs and organize their life and achieve excellence, to the point where they were unable to understand him, he leaves them. He doesn't impose his power on them. Because the goal of power in Islam is very simple, as mentioned by Al-Ghazari in Al-Mahsul. The goal of power in Islam is to bring benefit and prevent harm. What Imam Dabidi Muhammad called achieving excellence. So if the goal behind power is to bring benefit and help people and facilitate a relationship with others and with Allah, then this is called Al-Quwa Al-Mahmudah something which is commendable. Our community, for a number of reasons, uh, some of us tend to have a problem with power. Number one, as I mentioned earlier, we talked about the idea of power somehow. As I heard one person tell me, you know, Muslims shouldn't be powerful and they shouldn't have good lives because if they were to have good lives, they would forget God. It's like, la So if they have a bad life, they're gonna love God more? Like, doesn't make sense. Second is that a community that has lost power has lost its ingenuity, begins to see the acquisition of the resources of power and engagement with power as problematic. In the 8th century, Harun Rashid sent a clock to Charlemagne. That clock uh, was a water clock. Every hour a brass ball would drop upon the hour. 
And the French were shocked when they saw this clock. They, were, they freaked out, man. And they immediately said, Hada shaitan. This is the shaitan of the Muslim. Yuharrik hadi sa'a. You know, like the shaitan, the devil, is the one who created this clock and is operating this clock. So there was a discussion in the court. The brothers can again scoot forward, inshallah. Uh, should we use this or not? This is something we've never seen before. Ironically, a hundred years ago or so, when the radio, Sheikh Sha'rawi talks about this, rahimahullah, when the radio was introduced into Muslim world and people saw a voice coming from a box, their reaction was, this is the shaitan of the European. Yani. The same reaction, the same reaction as the French many years before. So Sheikh Sha'rawi said, so we played Surat Maryam through the radio so that people would be convinced that this was not Satan. We, we have to understand that the acquisition of resources is really the honest investment in achieving healthy power. And power, as we said, the power to do good, the power to heal a fractured world, the, to, the power to protect ourselves from power is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we're taught this, you know, when people oftentimes, I'm sure, our imams and teachers in this community, at least once a week, you run into someone who has the plan to save the ummah. It's like a weekly thing. You run into someone, God bless them, they're sincere, they're passionate, but they have a plan written on a piece of paper to save the entire ummah. And when you begin to unpack that and you say, okay, so what's the first step? There's just passion. There's just passion, but not a strategy. We're taught in our acts of worship the idea of What helps me accomplish an obligation, it's a great axiom in our, our tradition, becomes obligatory. So if you think about salah, there's a logic that we're being taught. Number one is to ascertain the proper time. That's a shart, it's a condition. Number two is to ascertain the proper direction of prayer. That's a shart, that's a condition. Those have to be in play before I can think about the goal, salah. Then I have to make sure I have water or I'm going to make tayammum. And then I make wudu. Wudu shart salah is a condition of salah. So almost every single act of worship, as Sheikh Wali al-Dahlawi, the great mujaddid from India, mentioned in Hujjatullahi Baligha, you know, like every act of worship has these prerequisites to achieve the goal for two reasons. Number one, it reminds us that we're headed to Jannah and Jannah has steps that we need to be observing in this life. And number two, it reminds us to organize our lives around objectives and what's called al-wasail and the means to achieve those objectives. So if I'm just concerned about things, but I'm not truly invested in the resources, the recipes needed to cook those things in the kitchen, then again, as Imam al-Haramain, he mentions in Al-Burhan, as I quoted earlier, this is a state of delusion. The other challenge to achieving power is that perhaps our faith has been mismanaged. And oftentimes, as a convert, you know, I learned quickly that insha'Allah is an alibi for لَنْ يَحْدُثْ أَبَدًا Like, it's not going to happen, you know. 
But the first week or two, it's like, inshallah, I, I was like really stoked. It's like it's going down. And, and I also myself with my kids once, I said to my daughter, inshallah. And she said, is it inshallah or inshallah? I said, man, what have I done to my child? But oftentimes we use God as an alibi in a way which is unhealthy. Like if I'm really angry about something and I'm waiting on a pie in the sky to come and fix my problems, again, this is delusion. One of the foundational pillars of Islam, as Sidi Zaruq, he mentioned, like it is an obligation that what you are concerned with, you fulfill its conditions. Like to be truly concerned. So we find that in our tradition we're taught not to use God as an alibi. You know, you go and fight. We're going to sit here and watch you. God will help you. That's not the attitude of the believer. So we find Maryam as she's giving birth. Allah says, Shake the date tree. Anyone who's experienced childbirth knows you can't shake a date tree in the process of delivering a child. When Sayyidina Isa, in the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, in this hadith sound, returns, he will land on a minaret and walk down the stairs. He won't land on the earth like, you know, float. And the reason is that in this dunya, in this dunya, we're commanded to achieve and acquire resources. And that's why Allah says to Sayyidina Musa, فَضْرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ hajar." Like what? Hitting a rock with a staff. How is that going to produce some water? It's not. But the idea is asbab, To take hold of the proper resources that will lead to the objective that you have. To so ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us, inshaAllah, to make us upright and sincere, to heal us and help us grow from any traumatic difficulties we may have achieved. We ask Allah to protect our brother Mark Lamont Hill and all of the true, true allies of the oppressed. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا أَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله الذي بعثه الله تعالى رحمة للعالمين وسيد الأولين وإمام السالكين صلوات الله وسلامه عليه وعلى آله الطيبين وأصحابه أجمعين. There's a great brother in Baltimore. Uh, he's an awesome friend of mine, someone who I've worked with in the past in the D.C. area. Uh, brother Tarek Torre, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, he's a great poet. He has a book out called Black Seeds. It's like really amazing, mashallah. And we invited him uh, some years ago to an urban ministry, street ministry type thing that we ran in D.C. and is still running Center D.C. there to speak um, to our community. Community is predominantly like Generation Xers and Millennials and then their kids. And he, his topic touched me because I personally was coming through like leaving a job and pulling away from nonprofits and the trauma of life and then losing my mother. Certain things were happening in my own life. So, you know, sometimes when you're in shock, you're unaware of your true feelings. 
Sometimes when you're in shock, you tell yourself you're fine, but you're in shock, so you don't feel. So I think I was in a state of shock at that time. I wasn't aware of like how I was really feeling. And, and he gave a talk about healing. And like it really touched me. It was a very profound talk. And he said that healing is one of the conditions of power. Because if I achieve power and I'm not healed, as Dr. Sherman Jackson brilliantly says, broken people break people. So before we start to think about power, perhaps, let's take a moment to talk about healing. The Quran mentions healings, healing four times. Four times. Three times as a noun. Three times in relationship to the Quran itself. Surat uh, Yunus, Surat Isra, and Surat Fusilat. Shifa'u lima fi sudur. Shifa'u nas. As a healer. And only once does it mention it in correlation to something related to the dunya. مُخْتَرِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ فِيهِ شِفَاءُ لِلنَّاسِ in Surah Al-Nahl when it talks about honey. One of our teachers says something remarkable that 75% of healing is like from God. But still 25% is on you. And we know that the beautiful hadith of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says if you take a step to me, Allah says, I will take 10 steps to you. If you walk to me, I run to you. That's why Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ تَدَوْ إِفْتَعَلَ يعني وَالَّذِينَ تَدَوْ زَادَوْ مُهُدَ Those who seek guidance, we guide them. So let's begin the talk about healing, framing it from the perspective of the agent in the process. The doer is us. I have to work for healing. We find in one very beautiful hadith, and I'm just going to summarize it. You can find it in the book Riyadh Salihin in the first chapter. It's like the second or third last hadith in the first chapter of the book Gardens of the Righteous. We find some of the things we can do to heal. But the first was mentioned by Imam Al-Maqdisi is moderation in everything. Ibn Qayyim says, Ma anzar Allahu amran, like Allah did not send an order or a command. Except like shaitan is sitting on that verse or that hadith trying to inspire someone to be radically conservative like in a way which is irrationally conservative meaning beyond the sunnah of the prophet or irresponsibly liberal. And that's why he said, so ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you to moderation. And that's why Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salatu salam said, khayru umuri awsatuha. The best of affairs are those affairs which are moderate. Allah describes us in verse 143 in Surah Baqarah, which is 286 verses. So you divide 286 by 2, it's verse 143. Allah says, We made you a moderate, balanced community. That's why Al-Ghazali says in the Ihya, everything that I'm going to talk about in this text should be understood within the lens of moderation. بَيْنَ الْإِفْرَاتِ وَتَفْرِيتِ That's why Allah says, لَا تَغْلُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ Don't be extreme in your religion. And the Prophet says, إِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْرِكُمْ الْغُلُوا فِي الدِّينِ What destroyed the people before you is غُلُو is losing the balance. The balance is defined by Sayyidina Nabi alayhi salatu wassalam when he said, إِنَّ لِجَسْدِكَ عَلَيْكَ الْحَقِّ وَإِنَّ لِأَهْلِكَ عَلَيْكَ الْحَقِّ 
وإن لربك عليك الحق وإن لنفسك عليك الحق فأعطي كل ذي حق حقا He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, your family has a right on you, your body has a right on you, your Lord has a right on you, and you have a right on yourself. So make sure you give those things their rights. That's the balance. But in this beautiful hadith, we find the Prophet said three people, they were traveling together, and they decided to spend the night in a cave. And as they went into this cave, a rock fell and closed the front of the cave. And I'm sure all of you know this long hadith where these three people, they mentioned acts of service to their parents. They mentioned staying away from toxic masculinity and not imposing their sexual will on a woman. And one of them, he mentions that he made sure in his business dealings that he was upright, that he went beyond just being upright. He was excellent with the person. And each of them, they made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of them suggested, let's pray to God by the good that we've done, that this rock will be removed. This metaphor of this rock that all of us have now in our lives. Maybe it's the rock of your final exams. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease that for you. Maybe it's the rock of difficult relationships with parents. But it's some type of rock, maybe the rock of trauma, the GRE, whatever's in front of us. Losing our jobs, our kids are losing their minds. Whatever happens, you got beaten red dead too. Who knows what happened? There is some trauma in your life. How are you going to remove that rock and heal? The answer is in this beautiful narration of the Prophet ﷺ. And it involves around you being the agent of change and then letting Allah handle your business. The first is good friendship and a strong supporting cast. And in order to have good friends, I have to allow people to be good friends with me. In order to give love, I have to receive love. Dr. Cornell West says that love is like a transitive verb. There's this reciprocality between lovers. When the Prophet described the awliya of Allah, he said, People who love. That was the first quality he mentioned of the awliya. People who love. So these three people, one of them could not open the cave. The, the rock would not move. But it took the dua of all three to remove that rock. So we learn something, that trauma and the rocks that have fallen into our hearts and to our lives, oftentimes we need others. So that means also we should be good friends to people, man. We should be caring to people. We should never like just sell people short. The Prophet said, never assume a small act of Goodness doesn't have great benefit. The second is that we see three things in the lives of these people. Strong relationships with their family, if possible. Sometimes that's not possible. That's a different discussion. Number two, controlling their desires and their whims. And number three, being upright in moments of great challenge. Getting paid, cashing in, collecting dead prez. And that moment a person exemplifies piety. So three areas of our life that we should think about. Our families, our desires and our shahawat, and then our engagement with other people in areas where perhaps we could do something wrong. The fourth, the third, is dua, and turning to Allah. And having a good assumption of God. 
When that rock fell in front of the cave, none of them said like, why did God do this to me? None of them questioned the wisdom of Allah. Pa sabr is not patience. Sabr is resilience. The ability to have sabr with hard times. And the last is that each of them needed one another's professional expertise. The, the, the specific place that that person played in the life of the other. <coughs> so respecting diversity, respecting the different angles by which we approach the community. And also looking, for example, if therapy is needed. And tonight there's a great program with our sisters around seven. Uh, we're bringing someone from the Khalil Center. She's really awesome, mashallah. We have a program soon with Sheikh Fayaz as well, I believe. These are really powerful programs that help us seek out therapists and people who are able to help us navigate some of those difficult tracks. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us faraj ba'd al-haraj. Ask Allah to give us ease after hardship. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove their hardship. We ask Allah to make us, inshallah, spiritual, financial, and physical allies, inshallah, to all of those people who are struggling and oppressed. We pray for, we pray for black America that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help us truly be honest allies and upright friends and people who seek nothing but the face of Allah in serving others. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Senegal and Mali and Gambia and Chad. We pray for our brothers and sisters in West Africa and Sudan and East Africa and Central Africa. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to continue to bless them, inshallah. We pray for the Arab world, inshallah. May Allah bring them, yubashiruhum bi ikhraj al-bashar, inshallah. May Allah give them the good tidings of leaders who are upright and honest and, and truly care about their people. We pray for our brother Imran Khan and his efforts to restore and bring Pakistan back to its original pure state, inshallah. Pray for our brothers and sisters all over the Muslim world in Bosnia, as well as in places like Indonesia and Malaysia, as well as in Myanmar. We ask Allah subhanahu wa to make us those who can help those people. We pray for this country, that Allah subhanahu wa will make us a benefit to the people here. We pray for this city, that we can also be, you know, flashlights of prophetic guidance in difficult times. We ask Allah to accept us. Oh Allah, we turn to you with so many sins, so many shortcomings, so many insecurities. And we ask that you greet us with greater rahmah. Oh Allah, our sins are greater than we can imagine, but your mercy is beyond our imagination. فَاغْفِرْ لَنَا يَا رَبَّنَا وَخُذْ بِأَيْدِينَا يَا اللَّهِ Ask Allah subhanahu to bless our sisters and our brothers, our new Muslim brothers and sisters, as well as anyone going through the difficulties of exams and hardships. We pray for our Imam, Imam Khaled and his family, our Sheikh, Sheikh Fayaz, our amazing dynamic duo of Aziza and Amira, as well as all of the volunteers at the ICNYU. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.
Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim. Maliki yevmi'dini iyyâke na'budu ve iyyâke nesta'in. İhdinas sıratal müstakîm. Sıratal lezîne en'amte aleyhim. Gayrul mağdûbi aleyhim ve dâllîn. ورفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل توثرون الحياة الدنيا ولا خيرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى الله Semiyallahu liman hamidah. Allahu Ekber. Allahu Ekber. Allahu Ekber. Allahu Ekber Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim Maliki Yevmi'din İyyâke na'buru ve iyyâke nesta'in İhdinas siratal müstakîm Siratal lezîne en'amte aleyhim Gayrul mağdubi aleyhim ve neddallin İnne allazine amanu ve amilu salihati ulaike hum khayrul bari'ah Cezâuhum inda rabbihim cennâtu adnin tecrî min tahtihel enhâru khâridîne fîhâ abadâ. Radiyallâhu anhum ve radu anhum. Zâlike limen khâşiyâ rabbah. Allahu Ekber. Salla alayka Allah Salla 
عليك الله جل جلاله يا صاحب الخلق العظيم تحية من مدنف جم الصبابة واله صلى عليك الله صلى عليك الله جل جلاله صلى عليك الله جل جلاله وحباك سابغ فضله ونواله صلى عليك الله جل جلاله وحباك سابغ فضله ونواله وضجت شكما يا رب تناهت آية النجوى وضجت وذابت أنة القيثار في أوتاره شدوى تناهت آية النجوى وضجت وذابت أنة القيثار في أوتاره شدوى تسجد من ضراعاتي دموع تنشد السلوى وتسجد من ضراعاتي وتسجد من تنشد السلوى